not only does she bury the shot, but like just absolutely perfect form. I mean, you know, just like the follow through, the wrist, the elbows tucked, the whole deal. And I was like, okay. Well, this is a first for us. It's a couple that both worked at Nike, uh, Megan and Chris Carl. This is uh, an interesting one because it's going to have two different perspectives, one from a strategic point of view and one from a product point of view. And so I think, um, you know, I'll call them the power couple. So it'll be interesting to kind of see, um, their, hear their journey and how they met. So excited. Hello. Hello. Hi, guys. Hi, Megan. Hi. How's it going? Good. Good. Chris, hey guys. Chris Carl and I are here. All right. All right. Here. I, I, I kind of introduced you guys and said that you guys were the, um, the, the power couple. That's okay. Oh, that works. <laughs> Chris, is, Chris is saying, oh, my God. And I'm saying, yeah, that works. We're going <laughs> to swing big. <laughs> well, we appreciate you guys being with us. Um, you guys are our first um, duo. So we're excited. Um, and so, cool. uh, yeah, we kind of would love to start, you know, we always ask our, our guests to kind of start their journey from like a quick holistic view of from college to what they were doing to where they are, um, going forward or what they look forward to going forward, um, in their career or journey. And I guess we'll start with that because, uh, we, Jesse and I definitely have, um, a few questions definitely, you know, as, as we hear your stories. Sounds good. Perfect. Sounds good. How did, and I haven't gotten a chance to uh, listen to the first one you did with uh, MVP, who uh, is a, a favorite of the Carls. Uh, do you guys do, you know, do you guys edit down to some key segments or how does this, is it just, hey, full full disclosure and, and every, just is let this, it all bear? Is this the podcast now? Are we on? Yeah. You guys are on. You guys, are on. you guys are probably edit to amplify is probably a good way to do that. <laughs> there you go. Edit to amplify, exactly. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. All right. Okay, I'll be on my best behavior. <laughs> Let's see how many Nikeisms we can get into this podcast. Oh, Seriously, yeah. That'll be fun. All right, Cece, you want to kick us no, off? No, you can. Okay, you. I'll kick us off. Back to, so I grew up in Spokane, Washington, and I was raised by a basketball coach and had five older brothers in the household. And so, um, you know, sport literally put food on our table and, um, I ended up, um, you know, just great idyllic childhood in Spokane and, uh, ended up with a, um, a full ride academic scholarship to university of Southern California, which I had never visited. I just had decided that anything called the University of Southern California uh, sounded like a place I would want to be. And so um, I ended up going there. And unfortunately, very shortly after, uh, my, mom, my mom passed away really suddenly. And it just um, kind of uh, turned my world upside down. And I ended up transferring immediately fairly immediately to university of oregon where my brother neil was um and just needing to be near him so i ended up graduating from the university of oregon which was really you know kind of set the stage for nike um i was all set to join procter and gamble i had suited up i bought 
bought a navy blue suit and a gray suit and was in the final round. And I actually thought the final round was they, that they were going to offer me the job. I didn't know it was a final round. And I failed because I did not prepare. I prepared to, you know, accept the job, not to continue the interview process. And it turned out to be a blessing. Uh, my brother said to me, I think you should go work at Nike. I think it'd be really cool if you worked for Nike. So I looked in the newspaper and saw something that I... I don't know. I think it was called customer service rep in the newspaper, but I didn't really know what that meant. Showed up for the interview in a suit uh, out at Wilsonville, the distribution center. And, you know, the first thing I noticed was I was totally overdressed and uh, I was definitely on the young side. And I started there and it was just the greatest, um, the greatest starting point for me the greatest people. I learned so much about um, the operational aspect of Nike. And, um, and then things kind of took off from there. Yeah, I love that, especially when you said you were overdressed. I think that's the first impressions, you know, like when you come to Nike, you, you know, when you're walking on campus and you see people in suits, you're like, oh, they're here for an interview. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting when when uh, the woman who was interviewing, she was the head of uh, distribution, Wilsonville Distribution, uh, Kathy Lorenzen. She uh, she offered me the job that day, and she said uh, she said you gotta you gotta lose the suit and go buy yourself some Nikes. <laughs> <laughs> that was the start the start of of a long, wonderful uh, career at Nike. It's awesome. So, so can I ask you, like at that time? So, this is kind of the late '80s, and you said that you interviewed in Wilsonville. Were you then, like, then working in like the campus um, on Murray at some point, or like, what? Where was? Can you tell us just a no, little bit about no. those early days? Yeah, it's interesting. So, yeah, I was out at the distribution center, and you know, you you you're in your cubes, and you're all um, organized by what we call them sales agencies at that time. And so I was part of the Nike Northwest sales agency serving. Uh, and then I got elevated to being the Nordstrom customer service rep. One of my, my first sales reps to support was Charlie Denson. And, um, you know, we, we, we had, you know, if we got a tough customer, uh, a tough account on the line, we might, um, you know, chomp our gum in their ear, or we might just put them on hold indefinitely and do our nails. And so we had all kinds of just fun things that we were doing there. And, um, and then we'd work out at lunch, um, in this like little closet to, you know, like Gloria Estefan and Shaka Khan and, and, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> talk about late eighties. And then, yes, then from there. So I didn't, I, I didn't hit the, um, like Nimbus, uh, that sort of real estate, because I then was, tra what did I do? Oh, I became an Eakin. So right after that, a year later, uh, my boss at the time, Kathy Parker, uh, who was just fantastic, she said, uh, Meigs, uh, we got to get you um, from out behind the desk. She said, you, you got to be, you got to be out with some people. And there's this thing, and and uh, uh, there's an Eakin, um, there's an Eakin role that's that's open. Uh, it's brand new. It's in Portland. They realized they needed a, a need a Portland Eakin. 
And so I want you to, I think you should interview for it. And I'm all charged up. And you know, she took like maybe 30 seconds with me to have that conversation. Everything's moving fast. It's all at Nike pace from the get go. And I remember being all psyched about it and then thinking, you know, what's an Eakin? I had no idea what that was. <laughs> and so then I, um, you know, started making some informationals. And one of them that I, the, uh, one of the calendars I got on was a woman by the name of Kenya Palma. And I just went through the directory and basically anybody whose name had Eakin in it, I thought, well, that's somebody I should talk to. And I ended up having the interview. It's one of my favorite Nike stories. I guess I'll just tell it now. Chris has given me the thumbs up to do it. So I'm, I'm, I show up for the Eakin interview and I decide I'm going to dress down in the Nike kit. I'm going to, I'm going to actually be the Eakin. Um, and so I'm in a, you know, probably Agassiz uh, sweatsuit of some sort. And I remember De- denim sweatsuit with neon. <laughs> oh, that was totally, yeah, probably coral was in there. Um, and so, because I thought, you know, I'm just going to be the Eakin. I'm just going to show up as Megan Morfitt, the, the Portland Eakin. And I'm sitting there waiting and out of the conference room where the interview is taking place comes uh, a, another candidate. And he is, he's kitted out in a suit three-piece vest <laughs> and looks like, you know, cock of the block. I mean, he is like, he came out with such confidence. And I remember thinking, God, I have really, you know, really misread this one. Like this is just maybe the worst decision I've ever made in my life. So I go in and I'm, you know, they're throwing the questions at me that I'm, that I'm ready for. And then they ask me to tech uh, the Pegasus. And so I stand up and I reintroduce myself. I'm Megan Morfitt, the uh, Portland Eakin, and I'm going to talk to you about our the Pegasus today. And I've you know got the footwear. I'm holding it properly, working from the outsole to the upper, and um, you know throwing it all at them. And I keep hearing this loud crunch, and it's 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 like somebody's mic'd up, and it's just this crunch. And it's really distracting. And you can kind of see, you know, there's probably three people on one side of the table, three people on another, and then one person uh, at the end. And I'm, I keep going, you know, on the medial side and lateral and breathable mesh and crunch. And finally, I look straight ahead and down at the head of the table is Kenya Palmer. And she is working a bag of corn nuts. Like <laughs> and I... <laughs> I paused and I said, um, hey, do you think we could get you, uh, find you maybe a, a, a quieter snack, like a yogurt, maybe a yogurt or something like that? And the whole table just held its breath. <laughs> and then uh, you could see her, she, she had a great smile and a great laugh and you could just see the crinkles around her eyes start. And she just burst out laughing. And so um, it worked. I ended up getting the job. And and so to go back to answer your very first question, I didn't, what I ended up doing, I was a Portland Eakin, so I worked out of my home. And then from there, I took off and, and moved, you know, to become a sales rep. And I'm sure we'll loop, loop back around with some of that. But that's, 
that's one of my most favorite stories, largely due to the the faith that people had in me, like a Kathy Parker, you know, a Chick Lorenzen early, and then a Kathy Parker coming to me and saying, hey, we got to do this. And Kenya really played an integral role in, in my Nike career. So, and the coordinates. Share, you know, Kenya, who Kenya is, because that, that's definitely generation yeah i'm aging so. aging myself which i'll do more than one on this phone call but Kim was you know she was the head of brand for nike so yeah she had eakin in her title um, but you know it was it was because the eakin uh program was under brand and so she headed up all the brand and she was really what we called the gatekeeper back then and she was the you know um highest ranking female uh you know close uh, I believe childhood friends with uh, Mr. Knight, and um, so there was that that connection. Yeah, I love that, and I think a lot of listeners, you know, will will know that Eakin obviously is Nike backwards, but as well, it's it's the opportunity of like really understanding the product and being able to educate not just the people internally but externally as well. So I love that. Yeah, I always thought of it as the ambassador of goodwill for Nike you know, from product to storytelling, um, and just connectivity, you know, within, uh, with consumers and, and community. So maybe this would be a good point. Cause we, you know, you're at Nike, you're just kind of ready to break your career. Um, maybe this would be a good opportunity to pivot and have Chris kind of take us through his journey and kind of get to that same point. And then we can kind of find that connection point that we, are looking forward to hearing about yeah yeah uh so i'm a i'm a west coast kid west coast best coast uh i was born in the bay area down in mountain view um was down there for the first about eight years of my life uh and you know certainly have a lot of fond memories i had uh, my my grandmother and aunt lived over in palo alto and we lived uh kind of mountain view san jose sunnyvale area loved the sun um lo- you know grew up loving sports anything with a ball or stick you know i i, I kind of just you know wanted to play every sport and part of it i think a big part of it was always just the social part of it just to be with your friends and to, to always you know have that sort of connection uh, in common. So grew up uh, down there. And then my, my dad was working for Lockheed um, back, you know, in the, the aerospace, you know, industry back in the seventies, but he, he had, uh, he was born in Seattle and he always had roots, you know, his, his parents were back up there. And so he eventually um, gathered us all up and we, we moved up to Seattle when I was about eight or nine I remember landing in Seattle. Uh, it was 1979, and the Seattle Supersonics had were just kind of making their playoff run and won the world championship. And we were – wait- Jessica. Oh, Sigma. Sigma. There's Wally Walker. Yeah. 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 Gus Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Slick Watts. Uh, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Let's do this. Hey, we can have a whole uh, podcast just on bringing the fun. Oh yeah, yeah. So I don't know, Chris, but I used to work for them. I, I just to give you a heads up. Oh, yeah. So, so I, I was in that. Yeah, I was in that era with um, Wally Walker was president and, and so oh, yeah. forth. So but anyway, your story. Sorry, okay. sorry. Yeah, yeah. We, can, we can. Yeah, that's a whole separate pocket. <laughs> um, 
So that was kind of a, a cool, fun way. I remember the parade and everything um, ended up just, you know, slipping right in, uh, you know, still keep in touch with my, my elementary and high school, you know, uh, friends. So I grew up on the East side there. Um, and, you know, a little bit in the shadows of, of university of Washington, obviously, uh, literally kind of playing just about every sport that I could kind of make time for, you know, I, I just, I was, I was always soccer first, but I, I played a lot of baseball. Um, I, you know, ran cross country to stay in shape for soccer. I played a lot of like, you know, basketball growing up. Uh, I skied a lot during the winter. That was kind of my, probably my, my biggest passion uh, was skiing. I always wanted to start racing and just couldn't get enough scratch together to, to pay for what was a pretty expensive uh, sport. But um, by the time I worked my, my way through, through high school, I, my heart was already and kind of even my head was sort of like set on University of Washington. I had a few, you know, very soft offers to go play soccer at, at very like D3 small schools schools I'd never even heard of before down in Texas and other, and, and I just, I felt like I was kind of, you know, craving a big university experience. Um, my, I, I didn't come from a family that had gone off to big university education. It was more kind of community college level and uh, more trade degrees and really wanted to kind of bust out of that and go get a big, you know, university education experience and, and the degree that came along with it. So um, you know, made the short commute over to the University of Washington and you had, had a ball over there. Um, you know, fantastic school. Uh, you know, I, I would say that probably the most stunning campus that you can find anywhere, you know, really anywhere in the world um, and great education. Uh, I initially thought I was like, well, like the masses, I, I should go into business school. Um Honestly, I did not even qualify to get into the business school. So I went back to, okay, well, what do I, what do I really want to do? And I had always been interested in kind of a broadcasting career. So I went into communications and that's what I graduated with. And in the last, my senior year, I had a, a great internship with uh, Cairo. Um, you would have remembered that from Seattle. Uh, it's the CBS affiliate. Uh, I was doing a lot of radio stuff, uh, some support on the TV side, but basically spent the my senior year going to Seahawks games, Sonics games, and Mariners games, and going in the locker room before and after and doing interviews and taking interviews with athletes. So that, that was amazing. Um, oddly enough, graduation came up, and I'd spent enough time at the station to realize how cutthroat that industry was and how much, you know, moving around and, and you're really at the the beck and call of like new news directors coming in and just blowing things up and, and you know, hiring and firing people. And it just felt a little volatile, you know, for I, I wanted to have more control over my, my career. So uh, highlight for me was talking about Sonics. Um, if you recall back when Magic Johnson had retired but then he'd come back and uh, had a short run as head coach of the Lakers. So he uh, was up in Seattle. They had played. And, um, you know, afterwards, he had a whole gaggle of, of reporters and everything around. And I just kind of hung 
I was sticking my recorder, you know, in there catching all of the other Q&A. But finally, the, the, the reporters kind of got what they needed. And there was just a couple of them left. And I got to ask Mio Magic a couple questions. And I was really, really precise in what I asked and talked about the kind of offense that they were running and what he saw on defense. And it was a more detailed question I think he had gotten all night. And he, you know, looked me straight in the eyes and, and was really thoughtful about his response. And it just, you know, it, it was such a cool moment, you know, to have such an icon uh, uh, take the time, you know, and, and really have a, an incredible sort of response for a, a young young aspiring reporter at the time. So long story short, uh, I, I graduate and, um, you know, had decided after, after I've got my degree that maybe broadcasting isn't the direction I wanted to go in. And at the time you're talking about 90, 1994, Microsoft was just going crazy. Uh, they were hiring pretty much every, you know, graduate that could fog a mirror. And, uh, you had tons of friends that were going over there. They're off offering stock options to customer service, entry-level customer service. And I just, yeah, I remember talking to people. I was like, God, this doesn't feel like that's me. Thought, you know, hey, maybe I want to go into finance. So I started studying, you know, I got my Series 6 and studied for my Series 7. And, you know, you're, you're like, you know, 22 years old going and asking people for their life savings to invest with you. And, I don't know. It just felt like such a stretch. It didn't feel like quite, you know, as authentic as I wanted to be. So I pulled the plug on that one. And I had a uh, pledge brother from college. And he was from, he grew up down here in Westland. He'd, he'd, he'd know my cousins a little bit from a distance, but his older sister, uh, Mimi, worked for Nike. And I remember we would come down every once in a while and crash at her place. And we'd be sitting in the living room with a couple beers. And I'd see these stacks of these thick footwear catalogs that we used to make. And uh, I remember just like picking these things up. And, you know, I was a kid that grew up with like East Bay catalogs under my, stacked under my, uh, you know, bed, uh, Eurosport, if you're familiar with soccer, like I loved product, uh, ski magazines, all the technical, all the equipment and everything. I just, I'm super into that stuff. So I'd start thumbing through these footwear catalogs from Nike. And I think probably, you know, within the first visit or two, I, I sort of, you know, dropped one on the floor and I was like, well, it's clear this is where I need to come and, and work is, is at Nike. So, you know, I, I basically spent about a half a year trying to figure out how to get, you know, I'd heard about these tech rep positions, but it's like, uh, it's like fight club. Nobody knew actually how to get you know, a hold of anybody that knew about these things. Like, if you know, you know, but, uh, I, I wasn't in the know. And I was like, well, I do know that there's a Nike town in downtown Portland. I moved down to Westland, moved in with my aunt and uncle and, uh, started working at Nike town and had my black Nike town, Portland, uh, t-shirt and, shorts and a pair of Air Max squared. I remember it was my first employee uh, staff dress shoe and uh, off we, off we went. That's awesome. Wow. It's, it's his, his pre, his pre Nike is like Cairo and Microsoft and uh, money manager. I, I was just thinking my pre Nike was, was like uh uh, handing out food samples at Winco. So <laughs> the, 
that they bait and switched me on. I thought it was a marketing job. So there you go. That's how that's how they uh, get those get everybody when they say it's called marketing. But yeah, I I've been there yeah. as well. <laughs> so. Oh, good. I'm in good company. Yeah. Then. <laughs> so. I would love to know, since you guys then got into your foot at Nike, kind of worked your guys' way up, learning more about the product, the sales aspect of things, the analytics, um, you know, before we kind of like go into um, like further deep dive questions, I, want, I would love to know how you guys met, what were the first impressions, and like who asked who first at that point? Well, uh, I, I think it's obvious <laughs> who would do that. <laughs> No, I, yeah, I'll, I'll tell this story because I've told it quite a few times. Um, so, yeah, we had met. <clears throat> so eventually, you know, both of us uh, get or land in sales roles. And so we had both met. Um, <laughs> it's funny, down in Palm Springs. And so, you know, Nike's had a history of, you know, having some pretty, pretty nice venues <laughs> for sales meetings. Uh, this was not necessarily their, 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 their highlight because, you know, it was definitely a budget play where they ended up, you know, taking us down for a June sales meeting yeah. down in Palm Springs Just at La Quinta. So well uh, it was so hot. Oh uh, it was ridiculous. And so anyhow, we're down there and, uh, I was in, it was like a, uh, a product line sales manager. It was like these hybrid please roles. Them. We call them please them. And, you, you were basically almost like equal parts PLM and a sales manager. And so I was uh, doing that in, in soccer, which is, I, I spent probably the first almost 10 years of my career in uh, soccer after, after my Nike town gig. And so, um, so anyhow, uh, I get invited to come in and present the new soccer line for that season to the Western region uh, equipment team. Mm-hmm. And Megan was the manager of that team. And I remember they had all these kind of like uh, small ballrooms, you know, yeah. set up for each of the, the different teams. So Western region, you know, equipment team had had their own small ballroom and you walk in there and you got your allotted time and mm-hmm. I kind of go through the line. And again, I, I love products. So I'm just kind of a pig and shit, just doing my thing. And we got a chance to meet each other and just have a quick chit chat and uh, probably a little bit of flirting, but then we met each we, other. We got a chance to meet each other is code for, I made sure we got into a situation to spend some time together. That's what that actually <laughs> uh, So anyhow, we end up then uh, bumping into each other at the, at the meal. So you always have these big meal tents, you know, where it's, it's, uh, literally uh, herding cattle through. Oh my and, God. And yeah, the buffet. Yeah, the buffet line. The buffet, so, like a correctional facility. And we're like, you know, on opposite sides of the buffet line, kind of, you know, m- making our way through and, hey, great to see you again and having some chit chat. And where are you from? And, oh, you're from Washington. I'm from Washington. And where, where'd you go to school? Oh, the USC, you know, then Oregon. And then, you know, for me, Washington. And then, uh, oh, when did you graduate? And I said, well, I graduated in 94. And like, <laughs> I think she almost dropped her plate and you know, <laughs> walked away. Uh, there's a, a little, little age difference between the two of us. And I think she thought that maybe, uh, maybe that was, you know, uh, something that was going to 
I don't know. Yeah, you know, yeah. We'll blow this this whole thing well, up. Well, I realized so. we had no uh, people in common. You know, like he's not going to know any of the people that were from my class that went to UW. Um, and so that sort of, you know, it was sort of a, oh, okay, so you're six years younger than me, huh? Okay, so what, what is this? now? Not to be detour, deterred, of course, because uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't even think at the time that you, you were doing the math, but I don't even think you, I, you know, I, well, I, 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 I was any wiser about it. I, yeah, I, well, I had my, I had our future already mapped out, so I was doing math and yeah, all of it. You know, when are we going to get married and have children? And yeah, so what he doesn't put in there is, is for me, love at first sight. When I saw Chris Carl enter that equipment room, it was like, that's, that's the guy. That's the guy. <laughs> wow. So, so. <laughs> I know we're already in this and, and I'm thankful for the uh, editing that you guys will be able to do on this <laughs> yeah. one. I'll, I'll fast forward. So we kept in touch. Uh, I was on the back end of another relationship, you know, and living out in Chicago. Megan was had moved around a little bit, you know. Portland. This is like 1998. Yeah, right? 98, 99. Yeah. Um, and so, like, timing wasn't quite right, you know. And, and, and so, anyhow, we ended up then both back into Portland. Uh, finally, sort of like both of us single at the same time. So we kind of elevated our our flirting and sort of, and I remember we would often sort of check in with each other at the end of the day. She'd be in her office. I'd be in my office and Nolan Ryan. And then uh, I think, you know, we would bump into each other often after a long day of, you know, like getting a, a late workout. In. Again, all orchestrated by me. <laughs> <laughs> Just bumping and, uh, in. <laughs> Just working behind the scenes. Yeah, I think it was like, hey, you know, I'll be over at the Bo oh, Jackson. Oh, you're here. Wow. Yeah, I'll be over yeah. at the Bo Jackson working out. So I finished working out and then I was just shooting basketball. And the, the, the gym was completely empty. So it was just myself. And then Megan kind of wandered in. We were, we were chatting and, you know, I, I just remember the ball bouncing over to her at one point and she just kind of turns and squares up to the, to the hoop. And, you know, for those of you that don't know, Megan's all of like five foot two on a good day. So like, she doesn't, she doesn't walk into the gym and the, 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 the basketball gods are not singing. Uh, you know. Anyhow, she, she, she squares up and I mean, not only does she bury the shot, but like, just absolutely perfect form. Yeah, I mean, you know, just like the follow through, the wrist, the elbows tucked, and, and the whole deal. And I was like, okay, so <laughs> now, now we've, just hit, we've just elevated the game here. And not only is she is very attractive and smart and you know fun, but she's you know she's a good athlete. She's a clearly knows what she's doing on the basketball court. And uh, from there, I was like you know, all right, this, you know, this is going to be uh, a, a fun, a fun, you know, uh, person to get to know. And, uh, and and from there, we were kind of off to the races. So. Yeah, I could stop being the puppeteer. Behind the <laughs> Jesus, you know, he's, well, it takes a while. He's got to have some patience. That's right. I have to be him. very deliberate yeah, about my decisions. Yeah, good Lord. Good Lord. Megan, who knew how important that jump shot was for you at the time? I know. <laughs> like, if you would have bricked that, who knows what would have happened? My, yeah, my stepdad, Big Dave, would, would, would have been, was very proud of that, that, uh, that that's, the, that's the thing that finally hooked 
hooked the guy. <laughs> she still she still has that shot and uh, can still do some damage on the on the court. <laughs> a, a lot of lot of basketball in in my upbringing for sure. Which at that point, I mean, I didn't know I didn't know about Big Dave and yeah, you know, how she grew up and but uh, I, clearly there was a lot behind that. So that's awesome. <laughs>